Germany. You used to bring me flowers and chocolates, but that doesn't happen anymore. I feel now I'm just here to cook and clean for you. When I see some sign that you still care, then I'll believe that you love me. That a kind of conversation gone on in anybody else's home around here? Or try this scenario. Father comes home from work, irate, and his wife meets him at the door trying to calm him down. Our son is genuinely remorseful for what he's done. He knows he's overstepped the mark this time, and as a sign of his contrition, he's upstairs now tidying his bedroom. Yeah, right. I'll believe that when I see it. Seeing is believing. We read the Bible in a way that's completely different to the way we read other books. We wouldn't dream of picking up a, a novel, going halfway through it, reading a couple of pages, and then putting it down. We know that when we read a book, we have to start at the beginning and read it right through, and as we do, we see themes developing. We know that there's a conclusion to, to which this book is working. And the trouble is that we don't read the Bible like that. We just pick up sections here and there, and because of that, we don't see themes developing. So today, we're going to read the whole of John chapter 20. And as we do that, we'll see certain themes developing, and they revolve around these two words, seeing is believing. So we're going to hear now the first 10 verses of uh, John 20, which Bruce is going to read for us. John 20, verses 1 through 10. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped round Jesus' head. The cloth that was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had not reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not know, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciple went back to where they were staying. As soon as it was morning, Mary went to the tomb where the body of Jesus had been laid. And you'll notice in verse 1, she saw 
that the stone had been moved from the entrance. She saw, but she came to no conclusion as to what that meant. So straight away, she went and told the other disciples what she'd seen. And Peter and the other disciple who Jesus loved ran to the tomb. John was the quicker of the two. He got there first. He peered into the grave, but he did not go in. And then Peter arrived. And just as you'd expect from Peter, no messing about, he went straight in. And verse 6, if we could put that back up. He saw the strips of linen and nothing. Like Mary, he came to no conclusion. He just saw the strips of linen lying there. And then the other disciple went in, and he saw and believed, in verse 8. He saw and believed. Believed what? He believed that Jesus was risen. He believed that Jesus is Lord. Even though at this stage he didn't appreciate the fact that the Old Testament said that Jesus would have to rise, he believed now that Jesus was risen. And what was more important, he believed that Jesus was the Son of God. Because for John, that's what believing means. It means believing that Jesus is the Son of God. And we'll see him spell that out further in a moment or two. But let's hear now the next stage of the story after the disciples had gone back home. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to Mary, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbana, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that he had said these things to her. Thank you. So the disciples went back home, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. Clearly, she did not believe that Jesus was risen. It was bad enough that he was dead, but now she feared that they'd stolen his body. Couldn't they leave him alone even when he was dead? The thought that they might have desecrated his body just made her pain all the more intense. 
And then Jesus himself approached her. And in verse 14, she saw him standing there. But she didn't recognize him. She thought he was the gardener. And so she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. And then he spoke to her by name, Mary. And at once she knew who it was. It was Jesus, and he was alive. And then she ran to tell the disciples, the disciples, and notice this in verse 18, not that she had seen that Jesus is risen, but that she had seen the Lord. With John, she now believes that he is the Son of God. It's a very special moment, this, isn't it, when Jesus speaks to Mary by name. Being called by name is very personal. It marks us out from being one of the crowd. And through the prophet Isaiah, God says to us, I have called you by name, and I have written your name on the palm of my hand. Our relationship with God is always a one-to-one. It's personal and intimate. We are never one in the crowd to God. And Jesus speaking to Mary by name is a story that we can relate to from our own experience. So we're going to hear now the next section, which is verses 19 to 29. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So later that same evening, the disciples were gathered together behind locked doors, afraid to go out in case they were recognized as the people who had been with Jesus. And then Jesus himself came and stood among them. He showed them his hands and his feet so that they would know for sure who it was. And they were overjoyed, and notice this, when they saw in verse 20, verse 20. It's awful, isn't it? You've got to be paying attention every single step of the way. No dozing at all. Yeah, verse 20. Um, And they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They've got it. They know who he is. Now, one of the disciples, Thomas, was not with him. And when he returned, they were bursting with excitement. And verse 25, what do they say to him? We have seen Jesus? No, what they say is, we have seen the Lord. And notice that their words are exactly the same as Mary. We have seen and believe that Jesus is Lord. With John... And then with Mary, they believe that he is the Son of God. Now, whenever I think of Thomas, I think of a a matter-of-fact, no-messing-about northerner. And you see what Thomas says in verse 25. Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hand and put my finger where the nails were, I will not believe. Well, see, the trouble is, whenever I try to do an accent that's not my own, I sound even more Welsh than I did before. (laughs) But notice this. Unless I see for myself, I will not believe. Now, a week later, all the disciples were gathered together again, and this time Thomas was with them. And in verse 27, we read how Jesus appeared to Thomas and said to him, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side, stop uh, doubting and believe. See for yourself, Thomas, and believe. Well, now Thomas no longer needs these proofs. He had seen enough. From he who had once doubted, we now have the perfect expression of faith. With total certainty, he shouts out, my Lord and my God. Along with first John and then Mary and then the other disciples, he now believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And in many ways, in these words of Thomas, we have the climax of John's gospel because he wants to lead us all to the point where we can say with Thomas, my Lord and my God. And don't you think it's rather beautiful that this perfect expression of faith is found on the lips 
of one who had once doubted. One lesson we can pick up from this passage is that it's okay to ask questions. God is never threatened by our genuine searching after truth. But notice carefully the words that Jesus says to Thomas in verse 29. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. And who is Jesus talking about here? Who are these people who receive this highest of praise from the lips of Jesus himself? Well, he's talking about you and me and all those humble believers who through the long history of the church have not been able to see Jesus physically and yet have believed that He is risen, that He is Lord, and that He is the Son of God. It's not difficult to imagine the situation that uh, faced John in the church in Ephesus, where he was the senior elder. And he's dealing with new, congre uh, new Christians in his congregation. And they're saying to him, well, it's easy for you. You saw Jesus. But if we were able to see him like you did after he'd been raised from the dead, then maybe we'd be sh more sure and uh, there'd be less doubt in our believing. And John reminds them of what Jesus had said to the disciples. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Jesus had clearly looked ahead to a time when people would come to believe through the testimony of others. They would not have the chance to see him physically, and yet they would believe. And Jesus said, their faith is the most precious of all. Now hear that and take it in, because these words are meant for you. You know, in, in the church, we're so good at beating ourselves up and making ourselves feel guilty. And obviously, there are moments when we need to be challenged but there are also moments when we need to appreciate that Jesus takes pleasure in our faith and our love for Him. Hear again these words of Jesus, because He is saying them for each one of us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There was an occasion when a woman in the crowd called out to Jesus, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that fed you. And do you remember Jesus' reply? More blessed still are those who hear the word of God and obey it. There is a blessedness available to us equal to that of Mary, the mother of Jesus. The ordinary believer who hears the word and, of God and obeys it is raised by Jesus himself to the status of Mary, 
Now hear that and absorb it deep within yourselves. You are not poor, whimpering sinners. You are blessed. And you are blessed not because I say so, but because Jesus himself said so. Enjoy that and allow it to make you feel good about yourselves. So we're going to hear now the last two verses of this chapter. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John wrote this gospel so that those who had never had the chance to see Jesus in the flesh would learn of him and come to believe. Believe what? Believe that he is the Son of God. In verse 31, he spells out clearly the reason why he wrote this gospel. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And that is why we commit ourselves to the work of the church with the prayer that through our witness, others will come to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that through believing, we'll have life in his name. And that is why we are striving to bring a special category minister to this area so that the people in Birchwood may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, they may have life in His name. That is the reason why we commit all this time and energy and, minute and money to the work of the church, so that others may come to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that through believing, they may have life in His name. We have never had the opportunity to see Jesus risen in the flesh. And yet, our believing that He is risen and that He is the Son of God is precious to Him. Our faith, so often uncertain and so full of doubts and questions, our faith is precious to Him and received the highest praise from Jesus himself. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Amen.